Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Hello and welcome everyone. Happy Monday and glad to have you here for the Theology Mom podcast. I am super excited for this conversation today. Uh, As you may recall, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with my friend George Roska Jr. and we were encouraging Christian families and churches to begin to think more creatively about developing education alternatives, um, other choices, And I'm going to continue that conversation today. And I have some other content planned for the near future to really continue to try to push for this idea and coming at it a number of different ways. And you might be wondering, why am I doing this? It is because I am a strong stand for the idea that every Christian family who wants to pull their child out of government schools should have the opportunity to do so. Now, I don't, again, have all the answers of how to do that, how to get there. I'm kind of one of these strategic people that likes to look down the road and see the end goal and then try to suggest and fill out possible options and opportunities along the way. So I'm committed to having public conversations on these issues coming at um, the topic of government education from a variety of perspectives and angles with the hope that we can inspire people to create alternatives to the government school system. Now, again, this is not a conversation about those whom God has called to work in government schools. If God has called you to be a light in a dark place, then I bless you. I sincerely hope that you have a church family who's coming around you, praying for you, encouraging you, bringing you little baskets of gifts to encourage you, whatever it's going to take to help keep you on mission. I hope that you will get resource through our friends at christianeducators.org. You can go back and on our All the Things archives and check out our conversation with my friend uh, David Schmoos from christianeducators.org about how to get resourced if you work in public schools. But that's not what we're talking about today. This is not about denigrating anybody who works in the government school system and what God has called you to. This is a conversation today about trying to equip and empower parents who are kind of on the bubble. Maybe you're kind of sort of thinking about homeschooling. You'd kind of like to look into it, but it seems overwhelming. You aren't really sure, you don't feel totally confident that you can do it. So we're going to talk about it. Let's have an honest conversation about what it takes to be a homeschooling family. How do you know if it's right for your family? What are some practical steps that you can take right now to work toward that goal? And as we get into it, I want to remind you once again to make sure that you're still subscribed to my channel Uh, at Theology Mom, both on the podcast and on YouTube. And make sure to leave a review for me on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to push out the content to other people. Uh, Those 
reviews make a big difference. So it's a very practical way to help support the ministry. If this ministry is blessing you, helping you and encouraging you in your walk with the Lord, please take a few minutes to fill out a review for me on Apple Podcasts. Okay, here to help us have this conversation today, I've asked my friend and homeschool coach, Alicia Moss, to come on the show and walk us through the process. She walks so many families through who are trying to make the right education choice for their family. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. It's so fun that you live nearby. I know. And we, you could come over and we could hang out and do it in person. And we don't have to talk on top of each other on Zoom. Yeah, it's great. So, so I, I know you might be a little nervous. It's your first time. Like, I kind of roped you into this. <laughs> well, let's just be honest. I was trapped. <laughs> but you're going to be doing today a lot of the conversations you do on the regular in your job. Right, so right. maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, how you got interested in education and all of that. Absolutely. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher. And so coming out of high school, I just knew that's what I was going to do. And so I went to school, went to university, got my teaching credential, and I started my career in public education in 2000. So I taught in the Southern California area. Um, I taught for 10 years in elementary education. And by then I'd had my two oldest children, they were very young. And I started to see that my son had some needs. He had some sensory needs. And I, I recognized pretty early on the classroom wasn't going to be a good fit for him. Mm. And so I started looking into alternatives and I decided maybe we would be a homeschool family. And so the Lord just brought me to a point where I was able to walk away from the classroom. And then I started homeschooling my kids and I've home, I homeschooled them for 10 years. I'm still homeschooling. I'm going into year 12. My oldest will be graduating this wow. next year. And um, it's been a fun ride. I've really loved it. But um, during the pandemic, uh, a friend of mine had encouraged me to apply to a local charter school where she was teaching. And I really don't know what drove me to that point, but I thought, hey, I have a, my credential, right? I, and I, I love pub, I love teaching and I love teaching in public education, but I also love being home and maybe yeah. I could marry the two together. And yeah. so I'm now going into my fourth year as a homeschool coach with uh, with a local charter school, but I've also worked for a PSP. So I, I've had a variety of different yeah. roles and I always find myself teaching somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Is what I do. <laughs> same for me, same, same, you know, whether I'm teaching in a classroom or teaching on Zoom. Exactly. You know, this is just sort of in the DNA of how I am. And I'm always imagining and inventing ways of like, oh, this is how I could teach this. Or Exactly. <laughs> is exactly. that how you think too? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, in your expertise and in your experience as a teacher right now in your current situation, um, tell us a little bit about, maybe we should lay some groundwork here because we're kind of trying to help people who are on the bubble. Right. We're, we're trying to help them. Now, we're in the great state of California, who most people who watch this are like, how are you still here? How is it not falling into the ocean yet? So, all right, all right. We get all the California jokes, but here we are. We're, we're trying to be light in a dark place. So what are the ways that people can homeschool in the state of California? I think that there's three ways. There are three ways and it's pretty simple. So the three ways to homeschool in California, first you can homeschool uh, with a charter school, which is technically public school. And so that's what I do for my career. I coach families that are choosing a home education option that's funded through the public school system. Now we did that as a family for mm -hmm. a few years when we were homeschooling mm -hmm. as we go through the charter school, which again is a technically a public school. So there's sometimes depending on the school, there are some regulations you have to follow. Right, right. Um, but all the families 
teach at home. Exactly. And so the coach that they have assigned to you will have varying levels of involvement depending on the school and the coach. Exactly. Um, as to what kind of paperwork you have to produce. And they have various levels of experience with homeschooling. So you have to consider that too. Many of them are just public school teachers that are like, hey, I can work remotely. This is great for my family, but they may not really have personal experience with homeschooling. And then you get some like me who are homeschoolers at heart. Okay, okay. And so, all right, so then that's the first way. That's the first way. All right, so what's the second way? The second way is to file with a PSP, and that's a private school satellite program. And so in a private school satellite program, you basically have one person, usually a veteran homeschool mom or dad, who runs this sort of as a business. And what they do is they file the private school affidavit that all private schools would file with the state of California to be a functioning recognized entity. And they file that affidavit. And then when you sign up to work with the PSP, you get coaching, you may have classes for your students that they can go to like in a hybrid sort of situation one or two days a week, but you're doing your education at home. But because the authorizer or the administrator or the director, whatever title they choose is filing that affidavit on your behalf, um, they are going to have requirements they want you to follow because they are the responsible party for your child's education. So they want to make sure that you're doing what you need to do. And the state of California lays out for you some basic groundwork on the rules that you have to follow as a homeschool family. So that private school affidavit facilitator is the one that is handling all of that and doing all the record keeping. And then you're doing your instruction at home and just showing that you are following what needs to be followed and staying above board and oh interesting okay so i learned some things in that so i've always kind of thought about psps as like an umbrella organization Mm -hmm. and it's like like the one that we went through Mm -hmm. was at the local christian school right and then they also had kind of a parallel program of the psp and so we came under that umbrella of the psp for i think we did it for a year or two and um then they're technically you're enrolled in their school. Yes. Uh, but you're doing the education at home. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's one model. And okay. I've seen models like that. Um, actually, the first year that I was home with my kids, that was what we did. Our local church had a Christian school and then also offered a PSP option. Um But not all Christian schools will do that. So there are many, many PSPs that are independent. And it just comes from someone like me who's like, hey, I want to help families. Okay. And if families are intimidated by the third option, they can choose the PSP. All right. So and usually the the cost on a PSP, there's some cost involved in that. Whereas the charter school option, some charter schools will even pay the family a stipend yes. that you can use for classes, approved classes. Yes. I bought my kids art classes because they were very artistic. Mm-hmm. I have no artistic ability, but I wanted that. So that was one of the reasons we went through yes. the charter school. They got art, they got art classes. They got martial arts classes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. With the PSP, you're going to pay more than likely, but it's not as expensive as doing a full full-time Christian school. Exactly. It's and kind that, of a medium. Exactly. Point. That's an important distinction. So <clears throat> a charter school is government funded. And so it's tuition free. They cannot charge you and they have to admit anyone who applies as long as there's room um, okay. for enrollment. Um, 
and they every charter school is different so you really do have to shop around um some will give you funds that you can use to purchase your education some will choose the curriculum and say this is what you have to do you what you must do exactly um but with a psp um that's sort of your first step away from the government funding but you still have the accountability of someone over you that's an authority over your education and um so you're going to have fees involved with that. And that's going to vary. If they just do record keeping, maybe you just have a fee for record keeping. If they offer classes, then you may have additional fees for classes. You're also purchasing your curriculum. And so there are costs involved. And this is where parents start to panic and think, well, I can't do this. I, I can't homeschool. It's too expensive to homeschool. It doesn't have to be expensive to homeschool. Though. Okay. So that probably leads us to the third option. <laughs> yes. In the state of California. Now, I don't know if every state has this, and we should probably say a word. People need to check with their absolutely local resources <laughs> contact more than likely there's a state level homeschool group resource <clears throat> advocacy body go check yes, with them they'll absolutely. tell you how to legally homeschool in your state yes but in the state of california there is this interesting third way of homeschooling that i did not discover until the very very end right. and then i was like <laughs> Why didn't I do this sooner? Right. And the third option is the one that I employ. Um, so the third option is to be an independent homeschooler. And as an independent homeschooler, you are the one filing that private school affidavit. You are the authority over your children's education. All the choices are yours. Um, the paperwork is really simple. Thank you, California. So I know, like you said, there are a lot of jokes, but... <laughs> California really is a great place for homeschooling. And so you file that affidavit with the state, you do it once a year, and it's very minimal paperwork. It's like very one or two pages. Keeping. It's very small. Yeah. You know, let me just interject here though, that some parents worry about um, government influence and in whether or not they're being tracked. They yeah. worry about, and I, I really do think the government has more things to do than to track us down individually. So just stepping back to that PSP option, a lot of parents want to do that because there's a sense of anonymity with it because that director is the one whose name and address is on the affidavit. I Your see. children are listed as students and the parents, or at least one parent from each family is generally listed as a teacher. So if someone pulls that affidavit because they are public records, then they're gonna see all of these students and all of these teachers. And it's mostly gonna be assumed that it's just a private school. But when you pull a private school affidavit and it has one director and that director is also the custodian of records <laughs> and the teacher and there are one or two students, obviously it's a homeschool family. But right. um, just a point of technicality, homeschooling is illegal in California. So the idea of homeschooling with no accountability is what that means. So when we talk about homeschooling, we are talking about being a private entity. So I'm basically listed with the state of California as a private school. I named my homeschool. You're your own private I'm my school. Own private private school, but I don't take on others. I could, I could easily turn my PSA into a PSP and I could welcome other families on board and I could do it for free if I wanted to. Um, so we have that flexibility. Yeah. I think when I filled out our form, like Bob was the principal and I was the teacher right. and then we list the kids and that's, I couldn't believe it was that simple. I had a friend who told me about it. I'm like, wait, what? Yes. You know? Yes. But um, maybe in the beginning I wasn't quite ready for that step. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to talk about today yes. is, is this can actually even be a gradual process yes. of helping people build their confidence over time. Maybe some people are ready to go all the way and be their own independent private school, but other people might need help. And so that's really what we want to talk about. Absolutely. About today. So let's first talk about 
the why, because this, I think, is a critical first step for people if as they're exploring whether homeschooling is for them, is getting clear about why are we doing this? Right. What, right. Are, what are our reasons? Right. So walk us through like kind of how you help families think about that. Okay. Um, first, you have to consider your circumstances. Some people feel like they've been thrust into homeschooling. They've had no option. Um, the pandemic was a great mm. example of that, although I'm going to nitpick a little bit and say a lot of that wasn't homeschooling um but it was sort of an entry school at home it was yes yeah, school at home yeah. it was it was sort of which which is a model that we're going to talk about um but sometimes your circumstances just happen sometimes something happens you may have a child that becomes ill or a family member that's ill and you just can't do the back and forth at public school mm. and maybe you have to travel and so you find yourself in a situation where you're like i have to be at home and maybe you don't want to be at home um so that is a little bit of a different conversation but i'm going to assume that someone listening to this is really considering making an intentional choice to be at home and for that i'm going to say first um conviction is important I had a mentor very early on say that if you aren't homeschooling under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that this is what God wants for you, then you need to consider whether or not it's what you need to be doing. Mm. And I think that's been really critical for me because it's helped me when people, well, are you going to homeschool through high school? Are you going to keep doing People that? have intrusive you know, questions. All the questions will come. Yeah. And I know that this is what God wants for my family. So I'm able to say, yes, this is what I'm doing. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, it's, there are going to be hard days, but that conviction keeps me grounded and, okay, I know this is what I need to be doing. And so that's that's sort of the first step is just really praying about it. In fact, kind of a funny story. Um, as an educator, my husband comes from an educator. His dad was a school teacher and then a principal. His sister is still a public school teacher. And so when we started on this, everyone was a little bit like, okay, this is a little weird, right? And my husband was like, well, you're going to come home with our kids when they're little, but then you're going to go back when they start school, right? And so then when we started this conversation about homeschool, um, my husband was not on board. And I just kept thinking, I know this is best for my child. I know that this is what our son needs. And I wasn't going to try to change his mind. So I just prayed. I prayed and I let it go. And about a year or two later, I said something about, okay, well, if we're going to enroll him in school, then we really need to consider preschool so that he has some experience before he goes. And he looked at me one day and he said, I thought we were homeschooling and <laughs> I was floored. So if, if you're feeling a little bit of tension in your home, just take it to the Lord, because if it's what he wants you to do, he's going to make that happen. That's such good advice. And I think you're so right because people will come along with their questions. It's a little confusing sometimes to family members. One of the things I used to always say to the um, question of, why well, are you going to homeschool? I'm like all the way through high school. I always told people I'm going to homeschool them as long as I can and as long as it's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of neutralized it right. a little bit. You know, I wasn't trying to get on the defensive of justifying my my position, but still sort of addressing the concern. But that getting clear in our hearts about why we're doing it, I think that's so important because discipleship is one of the themes that we're always talking about on yes. the show education, whatever form of education we as Christian parents engage in for our kids, whether that's public school, private school, homeschool, whatever, we are ultimately responsible before the Lord for those yes. decisions. And so we want to be intentional. We don't want to just kind of go with the flow of, well, I went to public school, so therefore that's what 
we're going to do. We, we have to kind of step back a little bit and get before the Lord and figure that out and at least have that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's important then to let that drive your purpose in homeschooling. And I think it's important that if you choose to homeschool, that you do offer something different than your local public school. Mm -hmm. And that's really going to come down to centering the Lord in all that you do because your local school is not going to do that. And, you know, there might be private school options. Maybe you can't afford a private school option. Or maybe you're concerned about what's being offered at the private schools that are nearest you. So the only thing that really sets you apart that makes you different is really how you serve the Lord within your home. And that commitment will help guide you through life changes. Um, We were homeschooling. My husband lost his job. Then we were in this weird space for a couple of years while he was looking for work. And I was working part time, but then I was gradually getting more work. And I'm like, how am I going to keep homeschooling my kids if I'm working more? Well, staying grounded in our in our why helped us navigate some of those choppy waters of, oh, my mother got more involved and would help a couple days a week. My husband got more involved with helping with some of the lessons. I took, I was in a situation where I could take the girls with me to my office. I set up a little desk for them and they could work in my office for half a day, um, a couple days a week. And so between all of these creative solutions, our firm commitment was still involvement in our kids' lives, homeschooling, and that helped us navigate life changes. Yes, yes. So that's important. Okay, so we got the why in place. Now we have to talk about the how. Um, help us think through issues like learning styles and needs and education options because I think a lot of people lack confidence. Like, how do I make all these decisions? Yeah. I'm not an educator. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is where you're going to spend the most time researching. It's where you're going to become the most confused because there are so many opinions about homeschooling and there are so many methods and so many approaches so and many everybody's methods. got the right answer. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, the first thing that I encourage new families to do is to just slow down. Don't Don't go hit up the internet yet. Okay, stop and take an inventory of yourself and of your family. Consider how you were schooled and and just analyze it. Just think about the influences that you had. What what did it look like? When when were you succeeding? What was that teacher doing or what were you learning? It Hmm. may not even have been content. It might be that someone was patient with you. Maybe you knew you just needed more time to think through something. Your children are apples that don't fall far from the tree. So in some ways, they're going to reflect you. And some of the struggles they have might be struggles you had. And so you can look back with wisdom and think, oh, this is what little me needed. This is what I can offer my kiddo. So consider your own experience first. And then think about your children's needs. You know, They might have learning disabilities that aren't being met within the school system because they're not severe enough. Let's be honest. There are kids that have a little bit of need and they struggle because they don't qualify for enough support and they they just kind of fall through the cracks. Uh, Or maybe you have a kiddo that's suffering from anxiety or emotional stress, being in a classroom situation. Maybe she's a perfectionist and she's really trying so hard to do everything so well and and you want to bring her home and and help her just bring that back a little bit and find the joy in learning again. Um, There are so many things that might drive what you are doing. So consider those things first. And then um, the next thing is to consider learning styles. 
So many of your listeners have probably heard of being a visual learner or an auditory learner or a kinesthetic learner. These are different modalities that we consider in education. So a good classroom teacher is going to try to teach in different ways to meet those different modalities. If your kiddo, let's say, is a visual learner and needs to see what's happening and all you're doing is lecturing all day long and listening to books, they may be bored and they might be completely polite and obedient and you may not realize that they're not getting the information you're trying to give. So it's important to know, oh, maybe if I present pictures or we go watch something, this is going to come through a little bit better. So those are some things to consider. But um, I know this this might sound a little odd, but I encourage parents to start with their learning style first. When you're driving the ship at home, your education boat, (laughs) when you're driving that, you are the captain of it. You have to be the one providing the consistency. Your children are just following what you're asking them to do. And so in order to provide that consistency, you have to be comfortable with what you're presenting and how you're presenting information. So start with what's comfortable for you, because if you're trying to fit yourself into a different box or copy some homeschool influencer or some teacher, it's not going to go very well. And you're going to get really frustrated and feel like you're not giving your kids your best. So start with what you know about yourself. And then you can branch out as you become more confident. Boy, that's some, that's gold. That, that's <laughs> some, some great advice. I think in my own journey, some things, a couple of things that I learned is the benefit that one of the pros of homeschooling is that I know my kids the best. Yes. And so I can see when a curriculum is working well for my child and when it's not yes and not being afraid to abandon it yes if it's not working it's just not working Mm -hmm. and not everything is going to be a a great fit for every child and even between my children like something that worked really well for my older daughter who was kind of more introverted and highly analytical and you know really had like a very certain kind of way of thinking which was very different than my younger child, who is much more visual and artistic and needed opportunities for creative writing and lots of talking. And these two children, God made them both very different, but I could pay attention to those differences. So I think that's something, you know, that was very valuable to me in my own process. But I think another thing that comes to me is that, it can be very overwhelming, the number of different um, kind of streams of homeschooling, classical, Charlotte Mason, you know, more traditional where you're just trying to kind of replicate Mm -hmm. what they would get in a public school classroom, but you're doing it at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different streams. That can be overwhelming because then you get trapped in this thought of like, I have to do it perfectly or I have to do it just as good as they would get in a classroom. But that's not necessarily true. You know, your kid doesn't need the perfect teacher. They need the good enough teacher who can also be coaching them on their attitude and discipling them through their anxiety or whatever issues you also see coming up for them. Exactly. Exactly. It's important to remember that when you are homeschooling, it's not just about the academic goals yes you you have to take into account all of your children and and then the whole of them so you're taking account you know their minds their hearts 
their souls and you're ministering to each of those parts. And so academics is just one portion of it. And that's the portion we get hung up on sometimes to the exclusion of their spiritual development. That's why it's important to go back to that purpose. If you're really clear about your conviction, then you're going to remember to bring that in and you're going to let that drive what you do. Um, All of the different styles, sometimes there can be some clickiness out there in homeschool land as people really want to defend their style as being the best style, but it's really just the best for them. And, uh, And you may find that you change in your approach over the years. I think the most important thing is to develop a philosophy of education. What is the point of education? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? I mean, in one sense, we all have the same goals. We all want our children to be able to read and write, do some math, and to be ready to go into the workforce or or progress at the university, right? Everyone has that same goal. The public school is going about it with common core standards, which may not be best it's one approach and some children thrive there they they really do well but when you're home you can have that same end goal but you can go about it differently and so um if you do choose to come home just remember not to compare yourself to models that are different and if you are a charlotte mason educator don't compare yourself to the classical family down the street don't get hung up on well hey i really think we're sort of unschooly and we're really loosey-goosey That's okay. Someone's going to tell you that's not the right way. Well, maybe that's right for your family. Yeah. Um, then that's that's why it's so important to start with what you know and what your goals are for your kids. And what's your philosophy and how do you think children learn and what are you preparing them for? Those are things you're going to come back to again and again. Another big how component that I think is difficult for new homeschoolers is thinking about scheduling. Like mm-hmm. for me, I'm a very um, structured person. Mm-hmm. I like goals. I like things to be very tangible. We would start our day fairly early in the morning because my kids were early risers. We had pretty strict bedtimes. And so, you know, they would get up in the morning and we would get around and get breakfast. But then, you know, we were trying to start school by 730 or 8 o'clock to be done with the bulk of it by noon, Mm -hmm. by lunchtime. And then in the afternoon, they would have art or martial arts or Sometimes even to have the ability to take a nap, yes. you know, if they were, had just gotten really overtired. Yes. And um, I was fairly structured. Now, I had another friend during that season. She was queen unschooling. <laughs> uh, she was not as structured, but somehow she managed to do it with her four sons. And she had a very, I don't know, this is an old school world, but she had kind of very laid back, phlegmatic personality. And, and she had a totally different way of doing it. My way of doing it would drive her crazy, right? you know? And so I think people have to understand there's no one right way to do it. Like she would really start it at their school day, like at three in the afternoon and go into the evening. And I'd be like, I couldn't do that, uh-huh. you know, but her boys were all involved in theater and dance and all this kind of stuff. So it was just different styles. Yeah. And you have to allow for that. Absolutely. And when you're coming into this, one tip that I like to tell families is consider a routine over a schedule. If okay. you if you are a very type A person, you like to go bam, bam, bam. We have everything laid out. If your babies were on nap schedules and feeding schedules and, and that's the way you roll, then do your homeschool that way. Go ahead and, and set those boundaries with time. I don't really work that way, but I have a routine. And so I encourage families to consider a routine first until they kind of figure out 
what's working for them. The difference is that a routine sort of has blocks of time. We're going to start with breakfast, then we're going to do Bible, and then we're going to do math, and then maybe we're going to have a break, and then there's snack time. Or, you know, it's just considering not the clock, but the flow of the day. And it doesn't matter really when that happens. If you had a late night and you get a late start, you're not going to worry that you're not getting everything done. You can just kind of go through your schedule and I, your, or your routine. And I think children adapt to that pretty well. Yeah. And then you can always tighten that up you know, as you go. That's good. So now walk us through a little bit here on, I want to talk about how the, sometimes people need a chance to grow Mm -hmm. in their homeschooling abilities. You know, maybe they they need to start out in a charter school situation Mm -hmm. where there's a little bit more accountability and supervision while they're learning. So maybe walk us through some of the pros and cons of the new person, how to figure out which option might be right for them where they are in their journey as they're starting out. Sure. So I think charter school is a great option for families that are brand new to homeschooling. I've had several families on my roster that are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have one family that pulled a student out of public school and started with me a couple of years ago. And I was like, so why are you homeschooling? And she had a reason. And and then I said, so, okay, so what have you thought about so far? How do you want to do this? And she was like, I don't know. She just knew she wanted to homeschool. She just knew she wanted homeschool. So, you know, um, charter school is great in the sense that you have a credentialed teacher tied to you that can walk you through those steps and offer you curriculum choices. And because you're using government funding, if you choose the right charter school that has a more flexible learning system, then you can you can kind of try out different curriculum options and find something that works best for your child. And if something doesn't work, you just leave it and you can try something else. Um, so I do think charter school is great for that. It's also great for families who think they might be homeschooling temporarily and might be reentering the public school system. Like if you know your children are playing sports and you want them to go to school um, and the, go to the local public school through high school to have those um, have those sports teams to be a part of, maybe to get scholarships or to go to college and play sports, then then you have a different end goal. And that end goal is going back into public school. So the charter school is great because you're following along with those standards. You've got standardized testing, everything that's going to kind of keep them on track. If you pull children home and go with a completely different model and you try to reenter them later, you're going to cause some tension and confusion for your kiddos and put them in sort of a weird spot, you know, um, even though they might be thriving in both. Um, so I think charter school is a great option for families that are brand new. And some families want to say, well, let's be honest, they want the money. And so they think, well, I can't afford this, so I'm just going to stick with it. And that's okay. Um, so that's the great part about the charter school, and it's great for newer families. But you might find you start to feel stifled under the requirements, um, under the calendar, because you can't choose your own calendar. You have to follow the school year. Um, maybe you don't like the standardized testing, but the school has to be accountable for those funds that they're allowing See, you to use, so you have to play the game. Yeah, no, that's good, because that was exactly what happened to me, is in the beginning, that was a great way to start. For me, I started with the charter school. It got me going, and I learned kind of a structure mm-hmm. and how to do it. But then over time... it started feeling a little stifling for me because I wanted to veer off the path of the requirements and couldn't do that. Right. And I didn't, and I, I'm not recommending this. I'm not saying you, this, I'm not trying to bind anyone's conscience to this, but I got to a place where I was like, not a fan of all the standardized testing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, 
you know, I, this really isn't that important to me. And, but if you're in the charter school, you got to play by certain rules. Yeah. So that was when I transitioned into the PSP. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of usually how the, the progression goes? It can. Uh, some families are interested in becoming independent. They just want someone to go they just skip through right the to- tools and then they go to that because by then um, they, you know, you're, you're with the charter school, but these families are also looking at homeschool community options. And so they're getting involved in co-ops and they might uh-huh. be part of church groups. And so they begin to see the freedom that is in the education that's happening apart from the charter school. And then they might move towards that. So, um, it really is sort of a toss up. But um, one thing I want to say to families that are considering the charter model is consider the integrity that you present within your family. Because if, you, if you're complaining and grumbling about this requirement, that require, oh, we're, they don't have to know about this. We're just going to do this on the side. Or consider what that's presenting to your kids. Are they yeah. hearing you being untruthful? Are, are they hearing you wrestling through it and saying, man, this is a hard decision. This has been great for us, but I'm really, you know, what, what, how are you talking about that? That's in so good. Home? Um, and, and if you're going to continue to buck and resist, then maybe you need to leave the charter school system and, and choose another model. That's, that's great advice. Okay. So we talked about the why we've talked a lot about the how now let's talk a little bit about, helping position families for success like what what do we need to think about when things start get over, getting overwhelming right this is where that conviction's important coming back to your purpose in homeschooling i had um a, a fellow homeschool mom mentioned to me years ago her goals for her students and or her for, for her kids and they were to um read about jesus talk about jesus write about jesus and I thought, that is so profound and so simple. You know, we all have the, the similar education goals of having kids that can do all the basic skills and are ready for work and career. But really, as a Christian family, our heart should be centered around them being able to make a defense for their faith and share the gospel. And so I thought, wow, that, that's really great. So there are bad days. Bad days are going to come. We can't avoid those. And so when you're, you know, having those moments of doubt, go back to your basic goals. And so I sort of adopted her goals as mine for my family, but I added no Jesus, like no about Jesus, because I really wanted to add an apologetic to what we do. And so on days when math was not flying and my daughter's crying and everybody's melting down, I could just say, you know what? It's okay. We can press pause right here and, you know, we can just pray. And we can let it go today. It's okay. Yeah. Because you're still going to be able to read and write and know and tell all about Jesus. That's what we're going back to. Just kind of keeping it very simple. I love that because keeping it real, hard days happen. Yes. And sometimes some of the comments I've had on social media is, well, I could never do that because, you know, my kids might get upset or they might get frustrated with me as a teacher. Realistically, those days are going to happen. Yes. There are going to be days when... Your kid's not going to like you very Mm -hmm. much, at least for a couple of hours. And, you know, it's hard days happen. Yes. And you have to have something to recenter yourself to say, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. Mm -hmm. It'll be all right. Because that also teaches the child a posture of being in a family. We can go again. God's mercies are new every morning. So are our mercies in our family new every day with each other, you know, that there is that rhythm that we can be in together. 
I think that's so valuable and important because, again, we're not trying to duplicate what happens in the classroom. Right. We're doing our own thing. Right. And so in doing our own thing, there's freedom in knowing that whatever it is that we're doing, we're making progress. Yes. Even if we have a bad day every once in a while, math is up flying today, there's tears today, hopefully maybe the other parent can step in and jump in with that subject for a while and and give the other one a break and we can regroup and all of those things. But it's important to to think about um, today is not forever and we can get back on the horse tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I used to tell myself on those really bad days, like whatever it is that I'm doing here at home, they're getting more of my time and attention than they would ever get in the alternative. Yes. And there's value in that. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's don't compare what you're doing in the homeschool to, well, they would be getting this in this other environment. Right. You have to be in a mindset of, we're do- this is its own thing. It's, it's, yes. it's a different thing. It is very different. It's very different. And you also have to recognize that your school day is going to be a lot shorter. So yes. don't think you're planning out an entire school day. The reason yes. the school day is so long is because parents work and we have to occupy their children, right? <laughs> and um, also because when you're managing a classroom of 36 students, yeah. it takes a lot longer to get something done and you have to have breaks for everyone. So it just extends the day. So what you do in a full day of school, yeah. you know, down if the street is three hours at home. If your kid is doing three hours of homework a night, this is what I told my girlfriend, when I was trying to talk to her about transitioning to homeschooling, because she was writing on social media, like, my son is in the fourth grade. He has like three hours of homework a night. I said, Christine, for a, for a fourth grader, I said, if your son's doing three hours of homework a night, you can homeschool yes. a fourth grader in three hours yes, and do most of everything that's required. Yeah. And she was like, really? And I said, whatever you're investing in helping your son do three hours of homework a night as a fourth grader you could be in charge of it yes. for three hours a night yes. or a day or a morning and get it knocked out. And then he's got tons of time for music lessons and all of these other things that he's too exhausted to do yes. because he's got three hours of homework every night in the fourth grade. Yes, absolutely. And she she took a risk and believed me and, and ended up homeschooling both of her sons for several years. And it was very successful. She's like, you were so right. Mm-hmm. Like I was pulling my hair out trying to do all this homework. Yeah. It was much easier just to be in charge yes. and to homeschool them. So, and when you when you bring your children home, especially if they've been in the public school system or in a private school system, and you're bringing them home, this is why I say don't focus on the the academics are going to come. And, and yes, it's important, but consider the time you're going to be spending together. You may drive each other crazy because maybe you're not used to having your kids around all day and your siblings are going to be together and they're going to argue and they're going to drive each other crazy and they're going to get each other off task. Be prepared for that. So go in, set yourself up for success by knowing that, hey, we're going to have some changes. If you're used to having a tidy home, you may not have a tidy home. You might think, oh, everyone's home. We can take care of all of this mess together but you're going to get so involved in what you're doing. Dishes are going to pile up. In my house, there are cups everywhere. I don't know how they multiply like bunnies. <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet. Um, but those are things you're gonna, that might start to irritate you. So yeah. be prepared for them. This isn't just education. It's a lifestyle. And kids can have chores. Yes, absolutely. And, and they can be a participant absolutely. and learn 
that mom and dad don't just serve them, that they are part of the family Absolutely. too. Absolutely. So don't neglect those ideas when you're scheduling your homeschool yeah. day. Build in those chores, make them serve the family. Yeah. Um, because it's something we all do together. Yeah. Okay. So we, we've gone over the why, we've gone over some things about how, we've talked a little bit about coping with bad days and how we're going to stay centered on our, our why. Um, I am thinking back on my own journey. One of the things that I think would have helped me, and I would be curious as to what you think about this, is if I had had someone that I could have talked to who was a little further along in the journey mm-hmm. than me, I, I didn't have anybody like that. Uh, some, I don't know, for lack of a better term, some kind of mentor uh, that I think that could have really been encouraging to me and help me be able to have somebody talk to and get feedback from. Is that something in your experience that has value? Absolutely. Absolutely. I felt so lost when I first started and it just happened that my father-in-law had a family friend who had homeschooled and he was like, this is weird. I don't know anything about it, but I'll connect you. And she was much further ahead in her journey. She had, I think a daughter that had already graduated and a son in high school. And I had, you know, little ones that were just starting. And I just sat with her for like two or three hours and she just would pull things off her library. Oh, you should check this out and you should try this book and think about this. And she just talked to me for hours and I just took copious notes. And I never reconnected with her after that, but she was available to me, but she'd given me so much to consider and she gave me some resources to go check out. So that was great to get me started. So when you're first getting started, find one person because Every you know the joke with homeschooling is well are are your kids going to be socialized well are they going to oh, you know which is like the the false argument within homeschool because I really know. want my kids to be socialized <laughs> by the public school right like... what we find is that we are so social that yeah. we usually have trouble getting our work done yeah um, but you're going to naturally find communities and find people yes. and it's a little overwhelming so. You can get overcommitted really quick. Oh, absolutely. So it's important to be intentional about about finding one person that is a little bit further ahead that can sort of, and it helps if they share your same vision for education, maybe share your same approach because they can sort of set you up to know what obstacles might be coming or if you come to them, oh my gosh, this happened. Oh yeah, that happened to me too. You know, it's okay. And um, so it's really great to have that one person. So I would check with your church. You've probably got a veteran mom or grandma that would love to just meet with you. Even if you just meet once a year and you check in from time to time, that's really valuable because it cuts through all of the noise because there is just so much chatter in the homeschool community and it helps to have one person you can go to. As you get committed to different communities, you're going to find a little group of people then you're going to have your little mom's group and you're going to all support each other. So that's always nice. So you don't always need to have this one person following you all the time. If you go into a charter model or a PSP, you're going to have that support pretty much built in, but it may not you may not always mesh with yeah. the person you're matched with. So consider finding someone that you can connect with. Okay. Finding a mentor of sorts. Yes, we'll exactly. call it. Yeah, exactly. And, and there are people you can pay too. Uh, there are many homeschool speakers and they will offer services and do coaching and they're wonderful. Uh, it just depends on yeah. your fun situation and, and what you're really looking for. And Again, people can also contact probably like their state homeschool advocacy group. Mm -hmm. Nearly every state has a Christian Mm -hmm. kind of network of homeschoolers. They might be able to get you connected with somebody in your area. So there's tons of resources out there. So, 
you know, and it can be overwhelming. Yes. Um, but if you have somebody that a little further along, it can, it can help maybe help you navigate all of that. Now, earlier you mentioned a little bit about your son and his needs and he had some sensory issues. And I love it that you also mentioned like some kids struggle with classroom anxiety. I, I just have seen so many comments on my social media about from parents that are like, I don't think I can homeschool because my child has certain challenges with learning or has ADD or sensory issues or whatever. Is there anything that you could say to those parents to maybe help them know whether homeschooling might still be workable for them? You know, it's interesting that in my position with the charter school, uh, several of my families are special needs families. And okay. that's the re- and we're talking some severe needs. We're talking some nonverbal autism. You know, these are families that have decided home is best. And even with my own son, I see how homeschooling afforded him the ability to grow and develop and change. And he is a completely different kid today at 17 than he was when he was five. So if you know that your child has a specific disability or a struggle, um, consider how home might be best. Now, uh, I don't, I'm not an expert in this, but I know that if you have your child evaluated, usually they have to be evaluated by the time they're five years old for a specific disability, um, that this, you know, through, um, the public school. After that, sometimes if you're not enrolled with school, then you're, you'll have to go through your insurance. So it can be costly. But if you know that your child has disabilities um, that need some professional help, maybe occupational therapy, physical therapy, um, you can always check with your local school entity and see what is available to you as a taxpayer with that local school and how those students' needs can be met. Um, private insurance is an option if, if that's something that works for you to have those things covered through private vendors. Um, charter school, if you have a student with special needs, charter school is a fantastic option if you know you need support because you get to be home. You can still work with an IEP team if your child qualifies for an IEP, that's an individualized education plan, um, and they will set your child up with the therapies that they're going to need to help meet their needs and they're gonna set learning goals with you. So that's a wonderful way to be able to have that time home with your kiddo and feel like you've got the support that you need if you're not entirely ready to just tackle it all independently at home. If your child has milder needs, um, maybe some form of ADD, ADHD, maybe some anxiety, even sensory issues or mildly on the spectrum like my son, I knew he wasn't going to qualify for certain services. So it was going to be up to me whether he was in the classroom or home to supply what he needed. And so it was just a road of education for me, uh, diving into what his needs were, trying to understand them, reading books. And there are many, many families that homeschool children with needs that have really been able to give them the time to grow and to develop and not to be stigmatized by their conditions. Yeah. So, wow, I learned some things there. That's really good resourcing. And I think it's interesting even when you're with your education background, you weren't a special needs teacher. You didn't have that education and yet the Lord threw you into a situation with your son where you were going to have to do some things. So, you know, either way, it, it's not necessarily all the experts are needed. Sometimes exactly. mom knows her kid best. Exactly. And I didn't know about the charter school option when I first started mm. in my education journey, or maybe I would have gone with that, but it really forced me to just think, hey, this I have to do this. If I'm doing this, I'm doing it on my own. And I figured it out. And so I learned it's not as scary as we make it out to be, you know. 
but it may not be right for every family, but know that it is possible. It's doable and your children can really succeed by being at home. So the final thing I want to talk about is what I call like the dark side of homeschooling. You know, we alluded to this earlier. People have a lot of opinions. They have intrusive questions. I remember once we were on a family vacation and some woman started querying our older daughter about like, why aren't you in school, child? You know, when we were out at a restaurant. Then, right. you know, people people are curious. So let's talk about that a little bit and how to address some of those concerns. Well, if you're really clear on your why for homeschooling, you're just going to let it roll off your back. You're not going to worry about it too much. Um, have some pat responses ready to go. Okay. Um, it's okay to just smile and say thank you if someone <laughs> feels they have to give you an opinion. That's okay. You thank know, you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate your concern. Um, that's okay. We don't have to take everyone's advice, right? Um, but have some responses ready to go. Um, if someone, I've actually heard that, you know, there, there are some people that will, oh, you homeschool? Oh, and then they'll start asking facts. Well, who is this? And what's the 16th president? And, and who's did this? And can you do this? It's like, Really, are you trying to verify that my children are learning something you think they should know? Uh, it, it can happen. Uh, just teach your children to respond and to be polite and say, well, I'm enjoying my education or yeah. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Well, I'm learning so much. Usually what I find is homeschooled students speak for themselves. And when families or questioning people see how articulate they are and how polite and how well they're able to relate to different ages of people, they're generally impressed. You know, my children had no problem speaking with adults and forming polite responses and answering questions. And sometimes, you know, as the mom, I'm going, oh my gosh, what, how are they going to answer this? And, and, you know, by God's grace, they just are able to produce a response that sort of closes the mouth of the person questioning. And my kiddos just impressed me too. You know, you, you kind of forget all the work that you're doing and you forget how much they're actually absorbing. So that's why that discipleship I think is so important. Yeah. So you can handle those weirdness times (laughs) and now that i'm on the other side of having two kids who are young adults i think one of the enduring blessings of being homeschooled and having my mother be such a big part of my kids education as well and my mother is a retired public school teacher she taught for 40 years here in southern california um so helping me with homeschooling was almost like a second career Mm -hmm. for her but my children are very comfortable with being around older people. And when we went to visit our older daughter recently at her church, all the older people knew who she was. And they were like, oh, we love Emily. She's so wonderful. And I thought, wow, what an enduring legacy of having her be around my mother, all my mother's friends in her Bible study group. All of those people knew who my kids were and would pray for them, pray with them. And um, my kids are very comfortable being around older people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been a blessing for us as part of their upbringing, you know, that I wasn't even intentionally thinking about, but has, has been a great thing. So there's those little things that yeah, people's comments can be intrusive at times, mm-hmm. but then there's other benefits that you don't even see. Right, right. And it, they, those moments sort of give your kiddos a time to shine. Yeah. And, and and it's hard when you're in the trenches to see the progress that you're making. Oh, yes. And so sometimes it's those moments that show you 
oh, wow, we're really doing okay. Yeah. Like, we're, we're really doing this. Yeah. And uh, so I think sometimes those are a little mercy. You don't see it in the, in the moment, though, no. when you're just grinding it out day after day. Yeah. I can tell you, you know, now that my kids are young adults, like, I wish I would have homeschooled them even longer. But there was, you know, situations in our lives that, that we, and I think it was to their benefit that they transitioned to a local uh, Christian high school here and they both flourished there and that went well but it was very solid and conservative and so for us that that worked out but um both of them had some struggles their freshman year Mm -hmm. in transitioning from homeschooling into high school and so i want to encourage parents if they see that don't panic but you might have to walk with your kids a road right as they're transitioning into classroom right instruction and accountability right the difference between what you're doing at home and what might be happening in a brick and mortar classroom is really a difference of content and a difference of uh, routines and expectations right yeah. but it's nothing they can't navigate if, yeah if the lord brings you to that and you have to switch gears um so really at home if you're giving your children the skills to learn to find information to listen to um figure out how to ask questions and get what they need, then they're going to be able to adapt. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, do you have any uh, final thoughts for us and final words of encouragement for people who are on the bubble? What would you say to them? Just do it. Just do just it. Do it. They can if do the it. Lord is calling you to it, just do it. Just jump in. Uh, don't let it intimidate you. Um, you're going to say, but I'm not a teacher. And I hear this all the time. Someone will say to me, well, it's easy for you to say you're a teacher. My credential helped me to be able to manage groups of kids. It did not equip me to teach my children. Teaching is taking information, breaking it down, making it accessible to someone in a usable form, right? And if you're a parent, you're a teacher. You've been modeling for your children. You've been setting boundaries for your children. This is really just a natural extension of your parenting. So you can do it. And God has placed you in authority over your kids. He, You are your child's best teacher. No doubt about it. No matter your background, no matter whether you have a high school diploma even or not. Um, The Lord has equipped you to raise the kids that he's given you, that he's entrusted to you, and you can do it. I'm so glad you said that because I have a friend who dropped out of high school when she was 15 and she homeschooled all three of her sons. Mm -hmm. And anyone can do it because she just adopted a posture of, I'm going to learn everything along with my kids. Yes. And so even though she had grown up in very challenging circumstances, had to drop out when she was 15 and she was a young teenage mom, she knew that when she became a Christian before the Lord, she wanted to homeschool her kids and she homeschooled them all the way through high school and all three of her sons. And to her credit, she just said, she just, it was the posture of, I'm going to learn too. Yes. And I don't have to be an expert, but I know my boys yes. and I can do it. That's the secret to homeschooling right there. Um, if, even if you think about what you've learned and how much you've forgotten, there are very few bits of your education that are really going to stick with you. There are a few things you're going to remember, um, but there's a lot you've forgotten about. And, yeah. and homeschool is going to be fun for you because it's going to dig up some of those, oh, I remember, oh, this is what that was. And, and you also are coming from a position of just being older and wiser and being more ready and maybe... 
you know, when you were younger developmentally, you weren't quite ready to handle some of the things the classroom threw at you. Um, so remember that with your kids and just learn alongside them. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I don't know. Let's go figure that out. Yes. That is like so important. And those are the yes. best lessons when you're learning together and everyone's excited. So don't let your educational experience or lack of stop you from feeling like you're equipped to homeschool. That's you so can good. Do it. Well, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. You brought such great wisdom and insight, and I know that's going to really bless people. Hopefully, um, you know, if you're on the bubble, hopefully this helped you get past it a little bit. And I want to encourage you uh, to reach out for local resourcing and find someone in your church community in particular who's a little further along in their journey uh, who can advise you as well. But think about it, pray about it before the Lord. And when what I, one thing I, I want to share with you here at the end as we wrap is that when we get committed to getting on the same page with the Lord, he will make a way. I know that sometimes we can be distracted by all of the obstacles. How am I going to make this happen? But one thing I've learned in my life, and I'm kind of starting to be in the upper parts of my life. Um, but one thing I've learned is that when I get really committed to something that God wants me to obey, he makes a way. He And what he's really looking for is for me to get committed to that. And then he can come in with the provision. Um, and sometimes those provisions are not what I was expecting. Uh, it, it's not exactly what I was thinking, how it would show up, but he had a better way. So I want to encourage you with whatever your obstacles are, whether it's lack of confidence or you're concerned about, you know, your child's learning style or that, that you and your child might be too different in your learning styles or whatever the obstacles are that are in your head. I want to encourage you to go pray about that before the Lord and to seek the Lord in his wisdom. And if you really sense that he's prompting you that like, yeah, this is this is what I have for your family. I want to encourage you to get committed to that and then trust him for the provision. And I can tell you, there will be hard days. There will be hard weeks. There will be seasons where you will feel like, I am not sure that I am making meaningful progress. But I want to tell you as, as a person who's on the other side of that, that daily grind makes a difference. And the cumulative effects of all of that inch by inch and sometimes backwards and then forwards and then a little backwards and a little more forwards, you will make progress. Remember, you are not trying to duplicate the public school in your home. You are trying to do something different that is largely guided by discipling your child. That's what this is about. With that, we will continue these conversations in future episodes as we explore more alternatives uh, to government schools and trying to encourage Christians and churches to make a way for Christian families to help protect their children, help to sow into their individual learning styles and the way this, that God has uniquely made them. Thank you for watching. I hope you will share this with a friend, share it with your pastor, and good night and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. 
Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All the Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening.